Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 164 of Dogcast Radio, which is our Christmas show. Don't forget, we have several other festive episodes all about dogs that you can find on our website, www.dogcastradio.com, along with lots of other dog-related information, advice and resources. Today's show has a fun interview with Chris Farley, who is the human partner of Harry, an amazingly clever and dexterous dog, and together they've achieved great things, including performing at the London Pet Show. We had a panel of judges watching us, and Ben Fogel was the presenter. And so when we'd done our little trick, we had to sit down, and um, Ben gave us an interview, and he asked, how did I teach the stacking cups trick? But before that, I want to tell you about a great new book from Battersea Dogs and Cats Home, Dogopedia. To find out about the book, which is a compendium of so much dog information, it'll delight every dog lover. I talked to Natalie Ingham, who is an experienced dog trainer and features in Battersea's Ask the Expert. So I asked Natalie just what people can find in Dogopedia. Dogopedia is a great little book. Um, it's got loads of both entertaining and educational facts in it. Everything from sort of where um, dogs came from to... Um, all sorts of sort of little quirks and comments and unknown facts and loads of little fun bits to read on about them. It's basically a book that any dog lover um, would find really interesting. And I think people that even maybe aren't dog lovers would probably find it quite entertaining to read um, and loads of little things that they probably don't know about dogs. Yeah, yeah. As you're reading through it, you do kind of notice other bits and you go, oh my goodness, I didn't know that. And is that right? Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, it is really interesting. There's a lot of information packed in there because there's a lot of text, but there's a lot of sort of um, little panels of sort of, you know, 10 breeds that you didn't know did this or, you know, things yeah. like that. And yeah, it's really, really interesting. So I think I find um, there's quite a bit that I even sort of reading through wasn't necessarily aware of. You yes. suddenly think, oh, I didn't know that or that's yeah. something that's new. So it's full, of, it's full of great information. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was an interesting bit, which we're going to come to later, but there was a, what, mm. um, something, one of the things that struck me was 10 breeds that have never had a job you know and I hadn't necessarily <laughs> thought dogs. yeah well, exactly yes can we all do that <laughs> um, but yeah I hadn't necessarily thought of it like that so it sort of brings together a lot of things and whether you're a, you know a, a newcomer to the world of dogs or you've been in the dog world for ages I think it's got something for you hasn't it it's got something for everybody and it's really easy to read you know I was, I was sitting there looking through it and reading bits and pieces and you just suddenly get engrossed in these they're very small sections that you can just pick you can pick the book up and read a little bit and then pop it down and then come back to it later but every time you pick it up there's something that you sort of get um, drawn into and something interesting to look at so it is a, it's a fab little book for um, anyone who wants to know something about dogs yeah yeah now there's a, there's a lovely section that sort of debunks myths that exist about <laughs> dogs, which, you know, there is a lot of misinformation out there. And um, yeah. one of the things that I guess you must come up again and again as sort of as a dog trainer is, yeah. can dogs feel guilt? So can they? <laughs> Absolutely. So this is, um, this is a bit that as trainers we always cringe whenever somebody says yes. to us, oh, my dog knows he's done something wrong because he looks guilty and you suddenly think, well... Actually, no. Um, what dogs are doing is they're picking up on all of the different um, things that we are doing. So if you come home and you find a mess on the floor that your dog's made, um, you'll naturally start positioning yourself in a slightly different way. Even if you're not thinking about doing it, um, you know, you might not want to tell them off, but you're probably looking at them. Um, you're standing in a slightly different way. 
You might even change your tone of voice without realizing, and it's that that your dog will be picking up on, and which therefore makes them feel a little bit worried, a little bit concerned, and that gives them what we think of a guilty look. So it's not actually that they um, can you know, feel guilt, it's that they're just responding to what we're doing. And there's been loads of studies that have been done on this. Um, one that the book refers to in particular was this um, scientist that got owners to go into a room with their dog, put a treat out on the table, tell their dogs to leave the treat, and then they'd, the owner would leave the room. And obviously most of the dogs would eat the treat, and oh. some dogs didn't. Um, and the owner was instructed to come back in, and whether the dog had or hadn't eaten the treat, basically tell the dog off. Um, and, you know, use that sort of voice that you would if, if you were having a bit of a go at your dog. And basically, um, they found that the dogs, even if they hadn't eaten the treat, so basically had done nothing wrong, they'd get that guilty look on their oh. face when their owner walked in. So it is all down to what we do and how we respond yeah. to them, really. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's That's a great little thing. <laughs> I mean, that's a really interesting point that you made there, because even if you have no intention of, you know, punishing the dog and, and, and doing anything, you know, in, in retribution to the dog, um, your body language would change because, you, you know, if they've made a mess or eaten something, you know, you're, you're going to think, oh, gosh, I've got to clean yeah, absolutely. that up now. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to droop and be a little bit cross looking, even if you're not going to sort of show that to the dog. So the dog yeah. will react, won't he? Well, yeah, they will. And I think especially, you know, you come home and um, if a dog has caused any chaos, it's normally because they've been left maybe for a particularly long time yeah. or they were bored or what have you. So you've probably been out doing things. You're coming home tired and you walk in and the first thing that you see is this chaos that you don't really want to clean up at that point in time. So naturally, I think we react in a certain way and our dogs just pick up on it. And, that, you know, if you've got a good bond with your dog, they can pick up on lots of little subtleties that we do without even realising. Yeah, yeah. That brings up another subject that I find fascinating mm. and that's mentioned in the book is, do dogs know when we're coming home? Um, well, apparently not. Um, <laughs> again, they're picking up on lots of different signs and I think a lot of this is down to us as owners um, reading what we want to from our dogs. Um, I... I'm a bit skeptical with this one because my dog always knows when my husband's on his way home. Um, and again, whether it's something that I'm doing, whether he can hear certain things, but, you know, we're pretty certain that he, he definitely gets up and starts pacing around the front door when he hears one of us coming back or knows that one of us is coming home. So there must be something that they're picking up on. Um, but again, lots of studies have been done. Um, and, you know, there's there's nothing clear in terms of do they or don't they? Um, there's lots of different theories as to whether it's us reading them and reading what we want to from them. So, you know, the dog might look at the front door 10 times a day, but the only time that we notice it is when we think, oh, um, you know, somebody's about to come or so-and-so is coming home from school or what have you. Um, and other theories are that the dogs can pick up on signs and signals that we're not necessarily again aware of, um, things in the environment that maybe they can hear, changes in light and um, our own patterns. We are habitual after all, so they can pick up on lots of subtleties. So it's a great one, that one. Um, and I'm yes. sure lots of owners probably everywhere going, my dog definitely knows when, when someone's coming home. I mean, my dog picks up when it's bedtime. And even if we 
aren't planning on going to bed. He's like, right, it's nine o'clock. That's it. I want to go to bed. I want my my little chew to go to sleep with and things like that. So he picks up on things like that very quickly. Um, and yeah, it's amazing. They're just incredible creatures, yeah, really. Yeah, they do read us very well. And and sort of my our dogs know if I'm standing up and I'm just going to go in the kitchen and make a cup of coffee. Yeah. That they just, okay, fine. That happens. Yeah. <laughs> we'll that one. Yeah. But if I'm standing up to go and get the, their dinner, something is different. And it's like, yeah. wow. You know, and maybe yeah. it is just it's about the same time, although I do try and vary it. But <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's, that fascinates me. And, but the trouble is. There is something that they can pick up on. Yes. There has to be. And we just, it's trying to identify those things. And it's amazing that it just shows how clever they are, really. Um, and what they can learn, what their brains are capable of. Because if you think of the subtleties that they must be picking up on, um, that they learn the difference between, like you say, going to make a cup of tea or going to get their dinner. Um, and, and, you know, you're getting up with the same sort of intention to go into the kitchen and probably not changing huge amounts of no. how you're doing that but they identify those differences and over time they learn those little subtleties yeah yeah it always makes me think when you know if my dog can I mean I actually taught Buddy without meaning to my, my Labrador to bark <laughs> louder by raising my eyebrows and what because yeah. I, I would say speak and he was very you know respectful and sort of <laughs> very quietly and I just sort of raised my eyebrows in expectation I didn't even mm-hmm. know I was raising my eyebrows I was just yeah. sort of waiting and and he learned to bark loudly when I raised my eyebrows. And then that makes me think, if this dog can actually pick that up, how come? What am I doing wrong when I'm trying to get yeah. him to recall with distraction? If I can <laughs> channel, you know, he's clever enough. <laughs> you know, I need to make the reward better or my methods yeah. better. But they, he's, he's using it to his advantage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you little monkey. If you can work that out, <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> but, it is yeah. incredible. And that sort of people also think sometimes, well, my dog doesn't come back when I need him to, but comes back at other times and things. And again, there's different so- tones in our voice. You yes. know, if you see something you don't want your dog to run towards, um, you're probably going to call them in a bit more of a panicked voice, or you know, you'll say it slightly differently again because you're stressing, and and they pick up on that. Mm. Um, and your dog once, so every time his owner called, would start looking around because he knew there was another dog to go oh, and play with. So you know, he'd take yeah. that as a, oh look, there's something to go and interact <laughs> with rather than a come back over here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they're very very clever little things. They are. Yeah. And the thing is, they. They are difficult to, to fall. So if you're standing there, even if you, you think, I'm not going to go, come here now, because I'm cross. <laughs> if you're still standing there saying, come here now, and trying to fool them, <laughs> they can read you so well. It they is can, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> now, I, something in the book that struck me as sort of quite um, pertinent to today's dog world is sort of yeah. um, 10 dog breeds that was sort of made up. And, and I think that's a fascinating area. What makes, you know, a pedigree breed? What is it yeah. that, you know, is it time? Is it, it's just fascinating. And with our, you know, in, in inverted commas, designer breeds nowadays, yeah. this is such a hot topic. And people do get quite angry about this, don't they? Depending on their yeah, viewpoints. They do. So what, what does, you know, 10 breeds that were made up, what's that section about? Well, I think... Um, What's happened is, um, obviously, as we got domestication and things, and as dogs started being used more and more for certain jobs, people started breeding dogs specifically because they either liked their looks or they liked 
certain um, features of their characters. So, you know, mm. um, if I want to go hunting, I've got a dog that you know, one of my dogs goes and picks things up and comes back to me constantly. So if that's what I want to do, then that's the dog that I would then breed from in order to get really good hunters and retrievers and things. Um, so I think ages ago, obviously, we had dog breeds starting to come about with perp- you know, specific purposes. I think there's been a bit of a tailing off in terms of dog breeds coming, you know, being put together. Um, yeah. People haven't been doing it as much until all of a sudden we've had this kind of boom more recently where people are doing it again. Um, and it's probably how it started all those years ago, but people are doing it for different reasons now. Mm, um, mm. Obviously, dogs aren't really... Well, dogs do have jobs nowadays, um, but... Um, not the sort of job that you would you think of. No, you think traditionally. Of, um, pre-traditionally what they used to do. Um, but certainly, you know, all the poodle crosses, um, dogs are being bred for companion purposes and, uh, you know, sorts of breeds that people enjoy their characteristics as companion dogs and that feel that would then make good pet dogs. Um, they're the breeds that are being crossed. Um, looks come into it as well, I think, mm. for certain people and certain breeds and um, all these supposedly non-shedding coats and things like that. Mm. But effectively, we're, we're making new, new pedigree dogs. Eventually, these could be classed as pedigree dogs once you get a breed standard and you've got enough, yes. um, enough time and enough lines and you know, various generations of the of the breeds and things. Um, that's how pedigree started off. So yeah, it's yeah. no real difference, I think, to what we used to do. But it, I think it's very fascinating, that section on sort of what they were all bred to do originally and how they came about and, and mm. you know, who chose which breed and why they wanted them and things. Um, I especially love all the royal breeds and all, the, yes. all these lovely little dogs <laughs> you yes. see in pictures that were just sat, you just sat on people's laps and things. And effectively, that's pretty much what we're doing again now. We're choosing dogs that, you know, maybe um, are slightly smaller, so more manageable for people in um, in cities and things. And equally, that people enjoy cuddling and touching and, you know, having with them as companions and sitting on the sofa with them, being around kids and things like that. So it's, it's, um, it's pedigree dogs all over again. Yeah. Definitely. I know we've got a sort of a lot of working dogs who do wonderful jobs, but the majority of our dogs nowadays are pet dogs. Mm. And it's really important that they know how to live in the real world. And the other yeah. thing that that's their main function, isn't it? The other thing that occurs to me is sort of years ago when humans were uh, you know, creating breeds, if you yeah. like, the driving force was we needed them to do to perform a function, you know, to yeah round up sheep or you know as you say be a pet or you know there were lots of different things whereas now i think one of the problems for me is sometimes that driving force is money yeah you know these designer brains are changing changing hands for extortionate sums and you think if you really want a crossbreed you could go and look at Battersea or any other shelter and, and find a lovely little dog in need of a, ha- of a home, couldn't you? Absolutely. I think, um, and it's interesting because we are seeing so many more of the um, so-called designer breeds in our kennels at the moment. Um, the sorts of dogs that we're getting in at Battersea um, is so varied. You know, we get all sorts and we get very young puppies in to really old dogs. We get a lot of um, dogs around the sort of teenage stage, if you like, six to nine months old, um, where people, I think, have got them um, as young puppies and they're very cute and, and fun and then maybe haven't really thought through what's involved in owning a dog. Um, and so 
then end up with you know a teenage dog that that's doing whatever it wants to and, and isn't easy to look after um and so we get loads of them in at Battersea um and it's interesting you see the breeds um, and the trends throughout the years sort of shifting um we're getting so many little dogs in at the moment lots of chihuahuas um lots of crosses again whereas i think when i first started at Battersea um, you had more sort of set breeds that would come in um you'd get the proper old school mongols as well but nowadays you can see you can see the breeds in in the dogs um because they're obviously quite new generation crosses so you can still identify which breeds are in there and things um but we're getting loads in it's incredible sometimes the the variety that we've got in kennels and the sorts of dogs that you see when you're walking around yeah yeah oh and they're all lovely <laughs> yes, I mean, you just wish your house was bigger don't you? but never mind yeah. um, we've, we've mentioned this, this uh, next section already but I was really intrigued by the you know, 10 breeds that have never had a job so can you tell us mm. a bit about that please so this is basically um, the smaller sorts of dogs that were effectively bred to be companion dogs or lap dogs and these are traditionally the dogs that you see in all the beautiful oil paintings of um, you know these rich royalties and and, and important people throughout history and there's always generally a dog in the painting um, whether it's sitting on somebody's lap or sitting next to them or with the child in the picture and things like that and um, these are things like the Pug de Havanese, um, the Bolognese which is um, sort of one of the old Roman dogs um, and they all kind of started moving around um, the world in line with trading um, routes and things like that um, these are technically um, lap dogs or companions or to you know some of them were bred to keep ladies hands warm and things like oh. that so um, you know they, I think they did actually have a job um, mm, it's mm. just again it's not that traditional job that you think of of a dog going out and no, like no. you said herding sheep or doing something like yeah. that these are the dogs that would be at home um, or traveling with somebody to keep them company mm. um, and and yeah, they're they're great little breeds again. And I think these are the sorts of dogs that we're seeing um, more and more of recently. Um, and at the moment, they're sort of re-emerging and being becoming quite popular again. Yeah, you know, I guess they've fallen into that thing of sort of working mother. Sorry, of, of, of stay-home mothers almost. That if yeah. you work in a domestic setting, it's not classed as a job. So, it's, you know, <laughs> but it's still yeah. jolly important. You're still work. doing something important. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, and in a way. You know, experts will tell you um, if you're going to consider a breed or, you know, a, a mix, mm. look at what those breeds were bred to do. If you yeah. want a couch potato, don't get a border collie, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So, <laughs> it is really important. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, again, it's one of the things that we do um, is try and educate people in terms of um, what they're looking for in, in a dog and really their expectations of having a dog as well. I think so many people bring their dogs into us because what they've, ended up with isn't what they were expecting or what Aww. they what they wanted from having a dog um so we assess all of our dogs and assess the owners so that we can match them up so that hopefully when we're rehoming dogs um owners are happy because they're getting the dog that they wanted and equally the dogs are happy because they're getting the lifestyle that they wanted yeah. um because it is all about what they need um, in terms of the dogs and, and making sure that that's being met. Like you say, border collies um, can be full of energy, but equally they can live very well oh, um, yeah, in yeah. non-working homes, but they need those 
they need outlets for, for that sort of yeah. energy and for their mental activity as well. And yeah. I think that's what people sometimes miss out on. Yeah. And I mean, all dogs are individuals, aren't they? Basically, you can have yeah. traits within a breed. But for example, we have a Border Collie. He's got a really, really good off switch, you know. But, <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're in the house now. It's not running round time, you know. And he's really good. So again, he, you know, he wouldn't need quite as energetic a, or, mm. you know, as demanding a home as your more um, driven collie so it's about yeah. knowing that dog isn't it definitely it definitely. is absolutely oh. yeah absolutely and I think um, if we could all find off switches for our dogs that would be great <laughs> <laughs> the realities are some of them don't have those off no. switches so yeah people need to research um, research the breed and then also the parents and make sure that they're seeing um, the parents and they're going to get any any new dogs or like you said go to a rescue centre like yes. Bessie where we assess the dogs and then can match match owners up that way around which yeah. is great yeah I mean that's a really important thing isn't it because I always say to people you know if you go to a breeder you want you don't want a breeder who will just sort of say yeah that'll be you know mm. however many pounds you want a breeder who's going to look at you and ask you questions don't be offended Absolutely. and that's exactly the same with a rescue the, you know, the rescue or breeder should love those dogs and want to find them the right, perfect yeah. home. So they're yeah. going to want to know about your lifestyle. They're going to ask you questions. You should take that as a good sign, shouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I know from um, experience, whenever I take home, you know, we foster, working here, you inevitably end up mm. fostering dogs or um, hand-rearing young puppies and kittens and things like that. And it's when it's time for them to go on to their new homes and the rehome is going, right, I've got these people and that person, you know, and you start, you question them and you start questioning so much because you want them to go to that perfect yes. home. And for breeders who care about their dogs, it should be exactly the same, yeah. the same way. Um, unfortunately, um, we're doing a lot of work now um, to try and end back street breeding, which is yeah. um, which is a big problem at the moment, um, and it's it's really scary how good backstreet breeders are at um, putting on a nice front so mm. people need to do their research because yeah. unfortunately when you go and turn up to look at puppies um, it's very hard to walk away without yes. without one and to actually say no this isn't the right situation mm. um, or to not feel bad for that individual dog and think right well I'll take that on and take it out of that situation unfortunately by doing that we're just feeding the industry mm. um, so it's, it's very important for people to do their research um, and then hopefully they'll end up with a really happy happy dog that they can love for years to come yeah yeah absolutely now we've loved dogs you know as as a species we've loved dogs for yeah. years and years and years and years and i love the section sort of on you know dogs in myth and legend and we've uh, on dogcast we've sort of talked about you know greyfriars <laughs> bobby and we've been to his um the statue in edinburgh and the you know the mm -hmm. grave and that and um Gellert in Wales, you know, uh, it's Beth, uh, Bed Gellert, I think, yeah. Beth, Beth Gellert in um, Wales. We've been to look at the, the monument to him. And they're lovely stories that are well worth sort of checking out if you don't know them. But there was one that I hadn't come across in Dogopedia, um, <laughs> the, the choking Doberman story. So can you tell us that, please? This is quite an entertaining story. Yeah. It, um, it starts off quite sad. A lady comes home um, to find her Doberman um, choking. So basically, she rushes him to the vet, um, leaves him at the vet for the vet to sort out, gets home, um, and then gets a phone call from the vet um, telling her that she has to leave her house immediately. Um, and obviously, as you're reading this, you think, oh my goodness, something is happening to the dog. The dog's okay, but um, it turns out that he was choking 
on a finger, which the vet deducts is of a burglar that's in, still in her house somewhere. So um, it's quite funny, and it, it's amazing, all of these little stories. I mean, the book's full of full of little different anecdotes and stories and myths and um it's yeah it's great there's all these these things you think where did they come from and um they're still going today all these stories yeah yeah I, I did like that one though because you know, I do like stories where burglars get their just desserts good, <laughs> good for that Damon, if he ever existed <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah oh thank you ever so much for uh, telling us about Dogopedia Natalie um, you're welcome you have sort of worked with dogs for a long long time haven't you Yes, um, eight years I've been at Battersea Dogs and Cats Home now, mm. so it's been quite a long time. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so you obviously love your dogs. Um, tell us a bit more about Battersea as well. Where can people find out more about Battersea online? Um, well, you can visit our website, www.battersea.org.uk, which has got loads of information about us. Um, and obviously they can come and visit one of our centres. We've got three centres, um, one in London, in Battersea, um, and then we also have one at Old Windsor and one at Brands Hatch. So um, wherever people are, they can easily visit one of our centres. Um, and also we've got our new ITV um, programme coming out this Thursday, so Pog Dogs um, with Paul O'Grady for the love of dogs. So that's got lots of information about Battersea and all the work that we do. Um, so people can fall in love with all the dogs that feature on that, um, some of which are still looking for homes. So yes, um, yeah. it's great. Yeah, lots of different ways to find out about us. Mm. And um, presumably on the website as well, people, people can find out about Dogopedia? Yes, um, so Dogopedia, um, they can find out about it on our website, but equally um, it is available um, in all sort of um, good bookstores and also online on Amazon, so plenty of places that people can go and pick up a copy. And all of the um, royalties will also come to Battersea, which is great because it helps us look after all the dogs and cats here. If you're looking for the perfect Christmas gift for a dog lover, we have the links you need to get hold of Dogopedia and to help all those deserving dogs and cats too, of course. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Do you ever read a book and think, no, it shouldn't happen like that? Well... Check out the latest innovation in romantic fiction, Macy's Choice, which puts you in charge of the plot as you make life-changing decisions on the main character's behalf. At the end of each chapter in Macy's Choice, there are always two options, and you choose what happens next. With over a million and a half words, that's over 5,000 pages, 256 chapters, and 128 different endings, Macy's Choice is an e-book you can reread again and again, making new choices each time to vary your experience to find love with each of the three heroes. To find out more, visit macyschoice.com. That's M-A-C-I-E-S-C-H-O-I-C-E dot com or search for Macy's Choice on Amazon. The greatest fear dogs know is the fear that you will not come back when you go out of the door without them. Stanley Corrin, Dog Psychologist. When Isla Kerr's dog went missing, she knew just what to do. She wrote to Santa asking him to bring the missing dog, Dolly, home. She wrote, Dear Santa, all I want for Christmas is my dog to come back. I do not care about presents. All I care about is my dog, Dolly, to come back. I miss her so much and love her. 
Love, Isla Kerr. Kiss, 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 kiss. Things were complicated by the fact that three-year-old Dolly is blind and needs daily medication. And Isla also made posters to let people know her dog was missing. Luckily, someone spotted Dolly at the local park and phoned the family house. Isla was at her friend's house working on missing dog posters when her parents reunited her with Dolly, and imaginably both were absolutely delighted to be back together. Isla is convinced her letter to Santa did the trick, and now her dog is safely back home. She has sent another list to Santa asking for more traditional gifts. We hope they have a wonderful Christmas together. Did you know that the world's first IVF puppies have been born to a surrogate mum? In a fascinating development, the puppies have three sets of biological parents and were transferred into a beagle mother. From 19 embryos created and transferred, seven dogs were born, two of which had one beagle and one cocker spaniel parent, while the other five were all beagle. The hope is that in the future, endangered dog species can be conserved, rare breeds could be preserved, and heritable canine diseases can be wiped out. It may have benefits for humans too, since dogs and humans share more than 350 heritable disorders. So let's hope in the future things like the tendency to lymphoma or kidney and bladder stones in certain breeds will be a thing of the past. Talking about the parentage of dogs, a new theory puts forward the idea that selfish mother dogs aided the process of domestication. Some mothers, both the human and canine, will compete for resources with their offspring, and scientists suggest the earliest dogs left their selfish moms to exploit the benefits that came from living with people. According to Anindita Bardra, senior author of the theory. Human camps would have been a rich source of resources for early dog populations, which might have induced conflict amongst the canines and led to some of them defecting to live with humans rather than their selfish mothers. Bardra and her team have studied feral dogs, observing their reactions to different foodstuffs. When there is less food available and it is of poor quality, the mothers will tend to be more generous with their pups, even stopping to feed them acquired food. This is probably just because the mom's motivation to compete is low, and therefore does not interfere with her altruistic instincts. The authors suggest humans show similar behaviour. Prior research has found a classic example is when a family shares moderate resources, and then a rich relative without a will dies. Suddenly, a caring relative might turn competitive, hoping to gain the greater riches. Well, whatever the causes of domestication, we're glad it happened. And lastly, does your dog have one of the most popular names from 2015? According to Rover.com, the top five male dog names of this year were Max, Charlie, Buddy, Cooper, and Jack. And the top five female names were Bella, Lucy, Daisy, Molly, and Lola. The website also observed that the trend for giving a dog a human name has increased, with human names for dogs up to 49% in 2015, up from 21.17%. In 2014, there's lots of interesting information on Rover.com, including how we've been influenced by names from popular films, and you can find a link to all that on the Dogcast Radio site. The ancient Nubaya Indians of the Gran Chaco in South America believed that humans originally lived underground until dogs dug them up. Dogs are special in their own way, and they all have their own talent. Even if that's simply making you feel better when you walk in the front door, just because your dog is so pleased to see you. But some dogs impress you with their unusual talents.
I'm going to talk to Chris Farley next, and I've been lucky enough to meet and see her and her dog Harry in action. Sometimes magic is made when the right dog meets the right person, and I think that's true of Chris and Harry. So, how did he come into her life? Um, well, I saw an advert in the paper um, for a, a miniature Labrador, which I knew wouldn't be true. Yes. <laughs> but um, I love Labradors, and I just thought it would be worth checking out because I wanted a dog to do agility with, mm. and I thought a smaller type Labrador would be um, great for agility. Yeah. And also, a smaller dog would fit in my kayak. So uh, we decided to uh, contact the person that was uh, selling Harry, and they lived in a place called um, Black Dog in Devon. Oh, <laughs> how appropriate. <laughs> and and uh, we fell in love with him, of course, and took him home when he was nine weeks old. Yeah, oh, I can just imagine a nine-week-old Harry. Oh, oh yes, yeah. full of beans. So <laughs> More beans than any dog <laughs> I've ever met. <laughs> yes. I mean, when you say miniature Labrador, he's a very interesting mix. So what is he? Yeah, he is. Um, well, most people think that he's um, a puppy Labrador, but he's actually a Labrador cross Patterdale Terrier. Yeah, yeah. But once you know he's got Terrier in him, you can actually see it. Yeah. Once you start looking for it. Because oh. he, he does, when you see him doing some of his tricks, you can see a certain tenacity in him. Oh, yeah. The, the terrier tenacity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he uses his paws and, and nose yeah. and teeth quite precisely and with great skill, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, just at the right time, really. Um, a good example, um, when he was a puppy, um, we used to keep him in the utility room mm. and um, I didn't need to push the um, bar down to lock the gate. It was If you pushed it down halfway, it would lock it enough to just easy for us to lift and yes. walk in and out. And so I pushed it halfway and I walked out into the kitchen and uh, started to wash up. And he was by my side. <laughs> I thought, how did he get there? I'm sure I locked it. So I took him back and I put him back in the utility room. And again, that happened again. And uh, the third time I decided to watch and he taught himself how to push the lever up on the stair gate wow. so that it would open the gate. And he did that with his nose. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so that mix of sort of brains and, and tenacity, is it's... Double-sided, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Oh, bless it. So I guess when you can see a brain like that in your dog, sort of, is that what led you to, to do more training with him? Yeah. Um, I always intended to do training because it's something that um, I enjoyed with my last dog. Um, but I wanted to take it a step further this time and um, because I always intended to do agility with him. But he was particularly noisy and boisterous and um, mainly noisy when, when I took him to the vets or entering a room like the dog training. And um, he was just a little bit of a nightmare <laughs> because no one could hear what everyone was saying Aww. because he was barking so much. And uh, so anyway, the dog trainer started to teach us the normal sits and the downs. We were clicker training him. And um, he was picking things up really quickly. And uh, when he wasn't working and the trainer was trying to teach us more things, Harry would bark the place down again. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it went on like that. But the trainer asked us if uh, uh, we'd be interested. Oh, he, he said the reason he barks so much is he's really intelligent and mm -hmm. he needs to work his mind a lot. 
and would we like to join the Tricks for Fun class? And uh, that's where it all started, really. (laughs) But that's fantastic because too often it's that kind of dog with a bit more about them who, as you say, can be sort of like a nightmare, you know, unless you know how to channel, channel that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He would have been. um, He definitely came to the right home here because we've had the chance to train him properly. He's the sort of dog, if he'd gone into the wrong home, I think he would have ended up in the dog pound somewhere. He's lovely. But isn't that a lesson? You know, if you have a dog that you really can't cope with, you need to do more with it, you need to train it and bring that out of them and give them the chance to achieve what they can and I mean Harry certainly has achieved a lot tell me about some of the things he can do because he is just amazing well um he can do so many tricks I'll just tell you a few some of his most popular ones um he can stack cups that's Um, amazing to see yeah I suppose some people would call them nesting cups yes but um I lay them out there's seven of them so you start with the biggest one and I um next size down next size down blah 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 and um so I get him to sit opposite them while he while I'm um lining them up and then I say okay stack the cups and he does it all in order really quickly and then sits back on his mat waiting for his treat yeah. And he he picks them up obviously with his teeth. Yeah. But he uses his paws. I know he pushes Amazingly. them. Yeah, so he places the cup inside the next cup, but to push it in just to make sure it goes in steady, he uses his paw yeah. and that's just something that that's his style. That's he taught that bit himself. Yeah. He's yeah. very dexterous. He's, it's, I mean, it really yeah. is amazing to watch. I've seen him do it in person, but yeah. he, there's videos online of him, isn't there? And, yeah. I mean, he's incredible. Um, yeah. And also, you, you've made, I love to see your homemade um, equipment. And oh, thank you. The, the spinning bottle thing. Can you oh, explain yeah. That? That's another incredible one. Yeah, well, that's, um, he picked that up really quickly. It's um, some ordinary type bottles that you would have your um water in you know to keep in your handbag size and um they're threaded through on a piece of um metal rod could be on a wooden rod on a stand and so there's three bottles lined up next to each other which i've put treats in and when you push the bottle it swings around and around and around and then when it almost stops it um, drops a treat out. So I've taught Harry to sit in front of it and it didn't take long for him to realise that if he pushed with his paws and span the bottles, um, that the, well, he learnt really quickly, he would spin the bottles and then push with his nose to suddenly stop the bottle and the treat would drop out. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so he picked that up really quickly. Whereas other dogs, I think at first, would just spin it and spin it and spin it. Yeah, I mean, it is when you see him, he does. He pushes it with his foot and it goes, and then he stops it with his nose, and he le- he realises if he stops it upside down, yeah, the treats come out. And exactly. It was so clever. Yeah, yeah. It didn't take him long at all to work that one out. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and he does lots of other tricks. Um, he puts big coins into a child's piggy bank. Um, he rolls himself up into a blanket and pretends he's asleep with his chin on the floor. Um... Oh, he plays the piano, but um, <laughs> not very musically. <laughs> oh, <laughs> musically for a dog. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And he's learning um, 
the ukulele as well at the moment. Oh, bless him. <laughs> He's doing better than me then. <laughs> oh, and I mean, all this has been achieved with with positive methods, hasn't it? Yes, clicker training, lots of shaping, um, and rewards, um, food rewards. Sometimes um, ball or tuggy yeah, toy yeah. rewards. Yeah. Oh. I mean, he's fantastic. I first met you and Harry um, at um, Crufts when you were competing in the Crufts Factor. Um, And I mean, we were all so impressed with this fairly small dog with a big attitude and a big talent. I mean, he he, is impressive. Um, But that was quite an interesting experience for you, wasn't it, the Crufts Factor? Oh, yeah, it was. Um, We had what we did. um, We entered a talent contest. um, It was called the factor it was advertised on facebook i think and oh. what you had to do was submit a video of your dog doing a trick and then it was up to the public to vote and um, harry did quite well with all the votes and um, so he was a finalist and the finalists were invited up to um, um, entertain people in the main arena at Crufts. yeah that is an interesting experience to go into the main arena at Crufts with your dog because I mean it's a huge room and it's a huge it's a huge crowd it's it's daunting isn't it there absolutely daunting yeah the thought of the, all the crowd staring down at me I was too afraid to look up <laughs> um, and when Harry made his grand entrance um, he was meant to be appearing on his skateboard and he'd only just learnt the skateboard, and he was doing it quite well. But uh, the skateboard wouldn't move because it was on um, AstroTurf. And we, yes. we thought, from, when you watch Crofts on the telly, it looks like a flat green carpet. It does. <laughs> like a carpet tile. And we didn't know it was AstroTurf. And so the wheels wouldn't go around on the skateboard. So that was the first thing that um, was a bit of a... Well, it wasn't a disaster, but um, we moved on quickly onto his next trick, and he got distracted by all the lovely doggy smells that were around. Yeah. So it, I was constantly trying to get him to look at the next thing that we were doing. But once I got his attention, he was quite happy to move on to. Uh, yeah. oh, he did um, his front paws pivoted on an upturned pot, so uh, we call that his wheelie. Yeah. So he does a wheelie <laughs> around the upturned pot. And then we moved on to um, his putting the coins into the piggy bank yeah. and his stacking cups and, oh, his tidying up his toys. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I scatter all his little soft toys all over the floor and he picks them up and puts them in the basket. And, then, and, the, and finally it finished off with um, him rolling himself up in his little <laughs> blanket. I, and then it was done. Oh, yeah, you can heave a sigh of relief. He, yeah. deserved, he deserved a rest by that. Oh, moment, yeah, so. yeah. And oh, it was great because not many people can take their dog to Crufts, can they? No, no. And um, it was just so lovely to have him with me and walk yeah. all around Crufts afterwards looking it's, at all the stores yeah, and things. Yeah, it's yeah. a different experience completely oh, with the yeah. dog, isn't it? And it's a fantastic memory to make. And to, to know, I mean, Buddy and I have been in the main arena at Crufts together in, in a display. and to know that you've been in sort of a real hallowed area of the dog yeah. world with your dog and you've earned your place there. It's, it is incredible, isn't it? I mean, it's, Yeah, I'm really yeah. proud. I'm just amazed that so many things that I've done, I wouldn't have done if I hadn't have had Harry. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. the things you yeah. do <laughs> once you've got a dog. <laughs> yeah, the, things he, the places he takes me. <laughs> yes, oh, bless you. Because, I mean, you, you carried on after that. Um, 
And you've, you've, I mean, you've been featured on television and newspaper and all kinds of things. Yeah. But um, something that I, I would have been very eager to do. You met Ben Fogel, didn't you? So tell us about that. Yeah. Um, well, that was um, something else in London. Mm. Um, that was at the um, Earl's Court, the London Pet Show. And uh, again, it was to show off um, Harry's tricks and um, we had a panel of judges watching us and Ben Fogel was the presenter and so when we'd done our little trick we had to sit down and um, Ben gave us an interview and he asked how did I teach the stacking cups trick mm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I gabbled a little bit <laughs> um, but he was lovely and yeah. it was really nice to meet him so again there's another thing I've, I've done that I wouldn't have done if I hadn't have had Harry yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. It is though. When you say you, know, you gabbled, there's a lot to cope with because you've got oh. your own nerves with the crowd. You're meeting a, a prominent person, Ben Fogel. Yeah. You've got your dog to think about. How I is know. he coping? Is he doing the right thing? It is a very nerve-wracking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And all the audience again staring down at you. Yes. Oh. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, they're all on your side. They're all thinking, "Oh yeah, cute dog oh they." I think they loved yeah. him because they the. They applauded really nicely. So. Yes, I bet, I bet. Yeah. Wow, yeah. And I mean, you've also been involved in filming for the BBC, haven't you? Yes, we have. That hasn't been aired yet, uh-huh. um, so I can't give too much away. But yeah. the programme um, is called Officially Amazing, and um, it's a record-breaking programme. And so Harry's attempting a world record. and wow, you'll have incredible. to Yes, and you'll yeah. have to watch the programme to see how he does. Yes, yeah, we, we'll, <laughs> we'll put details on once it's on and we'll, uh, we'll let people know. But it will yeah. be well worth uh, watching. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. But now, he'll, um, mm. the actual thing that he'll be doing is um, tri-ball, which is pushing big balls along. Yeah, it's, it's like sort of a, a herding alternative, isn't it, tri-ball? It's Big balls. Yeah, the type of balls that you roll around on at the gym, the exercise balls, they're like those. And um, we set off with eight to push into a goal. And he had one and a half minutes to do it in. Mm. So uh, So we'll have to watch and find You'll have to watch, yeah. The the challenge wasn't how many of these balls can you chew up in a certain amount of time. (laughs) But he might be good at that. (laughs) He's been highly trained not to. Yes, I know. Oh, no, uh, that was enjoyable as well the yeah. training that we did for the tribal um it's amazing you you do so much training before you even introduce the ball yeah yeah because yeah. there's directions and there's yeah it's a lot of there's a lot to it? it yeah yeah, yeah. it's good it's really good oh, fun yes. yeah i just wish it would take off more in this country yeah because yeah. It, there's not a lot of equipment needed you say it's like gym balls and a goal um yeah and the thing i like is sort of the handler doesn't have to be extremely fit or anything you stand up yes there's a training to do but you sort of stand you stay at one end don't you and the dog yeah. brings the balls to you yes that's yeah. right yeah i think um what i have realized is um it is quite weather dependent at first i used to think it didn't matter yeah because if it's raining it doesn't matter but um it does get affected by the wind yeah. which you'll probably see when you watch officially amazing <laughs> <laughs> and um 
and the balls do take quite a lot of room up in the car yes. so you have to deflate yeah. them and inflate them but um, when you're practicing most of the time you just use one ball until they've yeah. learnt it so that's it's easy you can do that in your garden or even in the house yeah so, yeah. yeah it's really enjoyable yeah and it's brilliant because it really gets the dog thinking doesn't it oh yeah harry loves it i think oh. it's his most favorite thing to do yeah yeah. Oh, great. Oh, that's really interesting because that's the next thing I want to come on to. Sort of, obviously, you've had a ball and you've enjoyed it. And I've met Harry and he's, you know, his tail is wagging and he's feisty and he's, you know, he's bringing it on. But, I mean, tell us about his, his attitude. You know, what do you think he thinks of it all? <laughs> he just loves company. He loves people. He loves to play with other dogs. Um, and his tennis ball is his um, his thing, really. Oh. Wherever we go, he always ha- likes to take the tennis ball with him. Yeah. And um, he also loves to have visits from my son's dog, who's a two-year-old Romanian rescue, and they just get on so well. They yeah. can they wrestle on the floor and they play <laughs> tuggy together. And Harry's always ha- dangling one end of the tuggy in front of Rada's <laughs> nose so that she'll take take the other end and then they have a little tug of war oh trying to uh, tempt her to play yeah yeah he's always trying to tempt her mm. to do that um, he's, he's training her That's oh he is <laughs> yeah yes in fact he's been really good for her and um, to boost her confidence because yeah. of her being a rescue yeah. yeah yeah and and another really lovely cute thing that harry does he listens out for the postman and uh, as soon as anything's been posted through the door, he picks it up and he brings it to me. Oh, and I didn't even teach him to do that. He just, I've, t- I've taught him how to hold things, mm. but he's taken it one step further and he actually goes over. He picks the letters up with his teeth. And if I'm upstairs or down at the end of the garden in the vegetable patch, he'll bring me all the letters, even magazine-sized oh. things he'll bring to me. Yeah. Yeah, That's I always have to make sure I've got treats in my pocket yeah. so that I can give him a treat for doing oh, it. Yeah, I mean, again, it really is a lesson that a busy, a busy dog is a happy mm. dog. Oh, absolutely. Isn't it? Yeah. Give them a purpose, give them jobs to do, yeah. and they're just set up, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, he's really good. And um, he does relax as well sometimes. Yeah, what, do, what <laughs> uh, does he like to do in his time off then? Um, well, on the third step down um, on in the hallway sorry at the top of the stairs yeah. the sun comes through the window and so and it's one of the on the turn of the stairs so it's like a triangular shaped step so he likes to sunbathe there and especially being there he can keep one eye on me so that when I'm walking backwards and forwards either downstairs or upstairs he can see what I'm up to oh. so that he's ready for action yeah yeah <laughs> he, he does I, I bet most of the time he's sort of got one eye open, one ear open, even when he's resting and sort of watching you. Um, is he sort of always raring to go right from first thing in the morning? Yes, he is. But when he knows I'm getting dressed, yeah. he, he will snuggle on the bed for a while on his oh. little blanket. That yeah. he, he knows he has to snuggle on the blanket. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he watches me get dressed. And if I have got next to nothing on, mm. he won't, he'll just be relaxed and he'll watch me walk in and out and in and out uh the minute i've got clothes on he jumps off the bed and he knows i'm about to go down the stairs yeah he just 
nose. <laughs> they they do pick up on little things. I know Buddy will lie, like um, while I'm making cups of coffee and things, and he'll come in the kitchen and lie there, and he's fine. He watches while I put the coffee in and the spoon and the you know the milk and the water. But when you do that final stir and drop the spoon in the sink, yeah. he's up and uh, okay, we're out of the room now. <laughs> oh, they're amazing, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, but they do <laughs> in watch fact, you. Yeah, I I say that Harry knows that I'm going downstairs before I know I'm going yeah. downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's another lesson. We compartmentalize and we go, right, now we're training. Now we've got off time. You know, dogs are always watching us. Yeah. And they're they always are. taking account of us. They're always, we're always training them. Yeah. Just because they get a different response from what we do. You yeah. Know, and we forget that sometimes. We need to remember that even when we think we're in off time, they're still learning from us. Yeah, yeah. But they're amazing yeah, things. Yeah. <laughs> and um, now I know from your posts on um, Facebook um, that you like to go off in your camper van, don't you? So tell us about that. Oh, yeah. Well, we go away on lots of little breaks all over the country. Um, but last year we went to France twice. And, um, of course, Harry's loves any holidays yeah. because he's in the van and with us mm. and, and we it's just fantastic but um in france we stayed in a chateau which uh, had turned into a, a campsite as well mm. and um the owners loved harry and uh, they had this really beautiful patio area near the bar and they asked if Harry would come over one evening <laughs> and um, would he like to entertain the guests. So uh, we took his stacking cups over oh. and uh, it was really relaxed. We just sat at a, a table with a drink like everybody else. Yeah. And then we just got his stacking cups out and everyone said, oh, that's fantastic. Can you yeah. do it again? Oh. And Harry loves it. He loves entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, happy all round. <laughs> oh, yeah. Again, this is some people sort of think, oh, it's, it's cruel to make dogs do things. And they just yeah. miss the point that dogs oh. aren't like us. They no. like to have a job. They like oh. to be doing, don't they? Yeah. That, oh, absolutely. They're at their absolute happiest when they're doing something. Yeah. 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 And then when they have been busy, they're happily sleeping and yes. content, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And I know um, you've been to, uh, within your camper van, you've been to a um, campsite in Edinburgh that we've been to as well, which is really nice. And yeah. isn't Scotland dog friendly? Oh, it's really good. Yeah. I'd love to go back there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Love it. We've been up to the Highlands and sort of around Loch Ness with our dogs. And it's incredibly dog friendly. They get so welcomed and access to so many places. But yeah. If anybody's looking for a, a dog friendly holiday. Scotland's brilliant. Yeah, it is good. But I have found late oh. um, in the last year or two, so many people are becoming more aware of being dog friendly. Yeah. Um, a lot of pubs will let dogs in now. Yes. Yeah. So. But the thing is, if they welcome your dog and truly make them welcome, you'll go back because yeah. your dog's part of the family. And if they don't want your dog, yeah. you know, it kind of puts you off a bit. So some businesses miss a trick there, I think. Yes, I think you're right. But mm. uh, I think mm. things are gradually changing. They'll yeah. begin to realise, won't they? Yeah. And, of course, mm. we can help ourselves because if they're all as well behaved as Harry when they go in, yeah. they will be welcomed back. So it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a happy circle, not a vicious circle at that point. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, oh. that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, obviously, people, we've, we've made Harry sound marvellous, and he is marvellous, and he's very sweet, and he's lovely. I'd love to see his training videos. Um, where can people find out more about him online? Well, he's got his own um, Facebook timeline, which is um, Harry Labradale Farley. 
and a Facebook page. And he also is part of Tammy and Harry Productions, where you can see some of his tricks made up into little stories. Oh, lovely. That's lovely. I mean, Tammy's, they're, they're very different dogs, aren't they? Tammy's sort of taller and fl- fluffy, although she's um, a Belgian Shepherd, so she's not sort of a typically fluffy dog. But you know what I mean? She looks yeah. a bit fluffy. And, and Harry's kind of a bit shorter and sleek, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they, they, you do make wonderful videos with them. Yeah, they are so different. And it's um, quite good, really, because Tammy does all the calm stuff because yeah. that's Tammy, calm, and Harry does all the manic stuff. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that the secret of great dog training? Work to your dog's strengths. Yeah, yeah, you know? it's, yeah it's amazing. Our last year's Christmas video is quite funny. Um, it's acting out. Um, say, Tammy and Harry were saving dogs from a, um, a dog pound, and um, we had three cages set up. Um, with toy dogs inside and the toy dogs had leads on and I hadn't trained Harry and I wasn't expecting this but he picked up a lead with his mouth and he ran off towards the door with this dog toy dog attached to the lead (laughs) and it it just worked so well with the film that we were working on it was funny Oh, bless him. He, he's marvellous that brain is incredible I mean and he learns but he also invents he brings his own um, strengths to the table. Yeah, he does. I think that's why he's so unique because mm-hmm. you, he's trainable, but he does add his own little quirky things into it as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A dog with personality can be Definitely. murder to live with, but I mean, they yeah. can be wonderful as well. It depends on your attitude. You know, oh, it does. It? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, he's lovely. Um, <laughs> it's been lovely talking to you about him, and I thoroughly enjoyed meeting him, and I, I really do enjoy his. Um, training videos so we'll we'll sort of put some links onto them um thank you ever so much chris and the best of luck for the future oh thank you julie it was a pleasure to talk to you chris and harry have such fun and such a strong bond they're an inspiration we have all the links chris mentioned and some great videos of harry in action too on the dogcast radio site good luck to harry and chris for the future And if Harry's antics get you in the mood for training, whether your dog is laid back or raring to go, he'll probably enjoy some fun activities, particularly if he's rewarded well for participating. And we'd love to see videos of your dog too. Touch is the first sense the dog develops. The entire body, including the paws, is covered with touch-sensitive nerve endings. I can't believe it's the end of another year of sharing anything and everything dog-related with you. Do keep your dog safe over the holidays. Remember, some of the food, drink and even decorations we love can be harmful to our dogs. We have some great interviews coming up next year. So till then, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident dogcastradio. That's all one word, dogcastradio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That 
way we can include them directly in our program. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. What did the hungry Dalmatian say when he ate his Christmas dinner? That hit the spot.